Welcome back to Actors with Issues, a weekly podcast where we interview the rising stars of TV, film, and Broadway, giving you an inside look at the entertainment industry from the ground level. I'm your host, Juan Ayala, and today we are joined by actor Jermaine Arroyo, who you have seen on Netflix's Ratchet, CBS series SWAT, and Showtime's The Affair. Jermaine, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Hola, hola. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm very awesome. excited, actually. So before we dive in, we're going to just go into our first segment called Getting to Know You. It is a rapid fire round of questions to get to know Jermaine a little better. So we'll start with, as always, coffee or tea? Tea. Tea. Uh, hero or villain? I want to say hero because that's the right thing to say, but I'm going to say the villain. <laughs> I'm going to do uh, it. Would you prefer to do dramas or comedies? I think drama. Uh, dramas stage acting or screen acting i'm gonna have to say screen acting because unfortunately i have never done stage acting at all at all it's always surprising to me i'm like how do you randomly just because so many people get started in theater we'll get into how you got started and all of that but um but yeah it's very surprising still still surprising even after like 70 of these interviews (laughs) (laughs) well i'm glad to know i'm not the only one oh you're not no absolutely perfect (laughs) Uh, what is a movie that never fails to make you laugh? To make me laugh. Um, Bad Moms is a really good one. Oh, Bridesmaids. Bridesmaids. Good answers. Good answers. Bridesmaids. <laughs> and what's a movie that never fails to make you cry? I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's an older film. It's called August Rush. Yeah, yeah. With Freddie Highmore. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. My parents uh, love that movie. Yeah, I love that movie. And for some reason, it always gets me like every single time. Still to this day, it still gets me. So I'm going to say that movie. Uh, If you could master any accent, which would it be? Any accent, because I'm terrible at accents. I'm the absolute worst when it comes to anything with an accent. I think I'm really good at it. But when I hear myself, I'm like, oh, okay, I see. (laughs) I see what you guys are, what everyone is saying about my accents. But I think I would do... um, Probably a French accent. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the first acting job that you ever booked? My first acting job was I booked a PSA commercial in, um, in LA. It's kind of when I first moved here. And it was a PSA for um, the death penalty, mm. which was a pretty intense commercial for my very first thing and I was like okay let's do it um but I actually ended up really learning a lot about the death penalty and like what it is and you know the negatives about it so Mm -hmm. I I really I you know I got educated at the same time so Mm -hmm. but that was my first commercial Hmm. interesting the PSA I've never done a PSA (laughs) but they're they're always very interesting because it could sometimes be a PSA you know actors aren't always the type to turn jobs down so sometimes you do a PSA for something you're just not about but you're like exactly (laughs) exactly and I was kind of in the same situation because I booked the job and I was like I'm not sure what it is about but I then like learned everything about the actual uh, Mm. person that this PSA was about Um, and he was around while we were shooting the commercial so I got to learn a lot about his his story and his life and we still are actually in contact via instagram so it's really cool to see him now live his life and have kids and children and everything so it's really cool that's that is really cool that's that's really impactful 
How it is for especially for like a commercial. You don't really leave a commercial right. set, you know, like changed. being educated <laughs> and changed as a person. Um, but this one was different just because it it really had um affected someone's life mm. personally. And this was their story in like a 30-second commercial, um, mm. which is really hard to do, but they did it and they did a good job. And uh I'm really happy that I got the job at the end of the day. Um, what is the worst side job that you've ever had? The worst side job? Does that have to do with acting or can it be just a job? Uh, a non-acting job. Oh, non. Oh, perfect. Um, well, I worked in the service industry for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And that was probably the worst job I've ever had. Uh, the service industry is a really rough industry, especially yeah. for, uh, and a lot of actors and musicians and entertainers are uh, servers, bartenders. Mm-hmm. in the business in that industry so um I really like understand when people say like uh like I'm it was a long weekend I worked all weekends <laughs> and, and people and in the customer service I was like no I get it because mm-hmm. I was the exact same way it, it it really does affect you negatively and that was one of the hardest worst jobs I've ever had so when I go out I really do appreciate the people that are yeah. working and I'm like, thank you so much. Probably right. a little too much. Cause I'm like, thank you. I really appreciate you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Actors but, tend to be like the best tippers because they understand all the nonsense that you have to deal with. Yeah, for sure. Cause either you're still doing it or you've done it. And mm-hmm. once you've done it once you, you kind of just take it with you forever. And you're like, you know, I understand. I get where you're coming from. Like, mm-hmm. please don't even bother, you know, like, don't even come into our day. I know you're busy, like, stay over there, do your job. Right. Don't even, we'll serve ourselves. Like, don't <laughs> worry. Like, we'll stack your plates for you. Like, we got you. <laughs> That's especially telling when someone stacks all the plates for the server. It's like, oh, so you used to be one of us. <laughs> yeah, they come around, they're like, oh, I get it. Where did you guys work? Right. <laughs> uh, and lastly, <laughs> describe your worst audition in three words, and then no further explanation is needed. Uh oh. Um, uh, breathing, call, and rude. Okay, we'll leave that up to the imagination. We'll figure it okay, out. Okay, perfect, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to explain myself. <laughs> uh, so, Jermaine, how did you get started as an actor? I know that no two actors' stories are the same, everyone's, you know, sort of path is completely different. So, how did it all start for you? How did you end up here? <laughs> I ended up here. Um, well, I actually I worked at this um like agency slash school. Um, I was like one of their events. I went to like like the state fair or like mm. a music festival and I would promote the place. And then I worked at the reception at in the office as a receptionist for a very long time. And that's kind of where I started to really explore the business. Um I've always wanted to be on television, but growing up, I was extremely shy, extremely nervous of everything, terrified of everyone. And I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do this, but I've always wanted to. Like, there was something inside of me that was like, I want to be on TV or like, I want to be those kids on a Target commercial, you know, like they're running towards the camera and they're like, hey, right. and I'm like, I want to be that person. But I didn't think I could ever do it. So I kind of let it go. But I got this opportunity to work at this office that there's school for actors, dancers, and singers slash somewhat of an agency. And they really helped me 
understand like I could actually do it like it's not that impossible it's not super terrifying and you just kind of have to jump into it and try to do it and see what happens because you never know unless you try um so I was like all right I'll try it I'll give it a try and I did it and with that same uh, office that I worked at I got the opportunity to come to this thing called IPOP um I'm not sure if you know but it's uh, international presentation of performers and it's two weeks in California that everyone comes to uh, this hotel for two weeks and you pretty much perform you do commercials monologues mm. you dance you model you sing in front of uh, casting directors and, and just people in the industry and by the end of those two weeks they give you like a list of people that would like to work with you or like get mm. more information about and I was like, okay, cool. And I got like a cute list and I was like, oh, nice. So someone likes me. Okay, cool, cool. Let's continue. I'm doing mm. something right. <laughs> um, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing, but I was there and having, having, having fun. So I was like, okay, let's, let's enjoy. Um, so we did that. And after a while, they, they kept in contact and they were like, well, if you want to work with us, you would have to move to LA um, so we can work with you and send you out and do all that fun stuff. And I was like, you know what, I'm going to save some money and I'm going to move to California. And I actually did it, which to me was shocking Uh, to my mother, which I'm a huge mama's person. Like, I love my mother. Um, She was shocked. She's like, you're actually moving. I was like, I'm going to go and I'm going to I'm going to pursue this crazy dream and see what happens. And that's how it all started, actually. And they signed me across the board and they started sending me out for commercials. And I was originally like more of a dancer than an actor. Mm. And so I would go out for casting for, for dance jobs. And then I quickly realized that it was a really competitive industry. Uh, so was acting, but dancing was a bit more of a different situation. Yeah. Um, and they're really intimidating. Dancers are intimidating. And I was intimidated. They scared the shit out of me. Uh, so I was like, you know what? It's not for me. I'm going to back up a little bit. Uh, but they sent me out commercially and I realized that I, I really liked going to auditions. Um, and I booked some jobs and I was like, okay, I don't, I, I think I'm doing a good job and it's not, it, it's, it's hard and it's terrifying, but it's working. So let's continue and see where, see where it goes. And here we are still doing it, still chasing the dream and still going to audition, still terrified, um, but doing it. And that's how it all started. Really. It was just, it was just jumping into the opportunities that came my way and hopefully they worked and some didn't work, but the ones that did kept me along and kept me here and kept me going. So here we are now interviewed by Juan, (laughs) (laughs) the host of too many podcasts. Uh, (laughs) So, I mean, obviously it's working because, and that's, so what always is curious for me, and I haven't really asked this question before, but you've had multiple bookings that ended up being recurring roles or guest starring roles. So did any of those come along at a time where you were like, I swear, if I get one more, no, I'm going to quit. And then you get the yes. Oh yeah. I think. It feels like most of the jobs you book mm. are that circumstance. Like they kind of feel like you were just about to give up or just kind of like giving up on yourself and feeling really beat about everything. And all of a sudden you get a call and they're like, well, you got the job. And you're like, 
thank God, because right. I was about to leave. Like I was, I'm, I'm on the plane right now about to leave. <laughs> I'm on AmericanAirlines.com right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll cancel it. Um, it feels like most jobs that, that do come your way feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, like you're about to give up and you just feel beat down and rejected and a constant no or a constant like getting really close to opportunities that you think are life-changing but it it doesn't come your way um and yeah that can be heartbreaking and it can really just beat you down and a lot of the jobs that have come my way have felt that way actually yes um but at the same time, it also makes the job feel so much more special than, than maybe it would have felt if you were constantly booking or, you know, like out here just like working, booked and busy all the time. Like, yeah. But they feel good because you worked really hard for it. Mm-hmm. And it was a constant no's or maybes or getting close or not your moment, not your time. Um, and all of a sudden this job comes around, you're like, ah this one was mine. This was my moment and I got it and it feels good. Yeah. It's always interesting hearing because, you know, it is a constant waiting game and all of that. Like, you know, you get auditions. If you're lucky, you get auditions fairly regularly, maybe once or twice a week. Yeah. Um, Some aren't as lucky as that. And when they do come your way, you're like, Oh my God, this is it. It's one more step toward it. And Mm -hmm. if you don't get it, it just, it feels like, you know, I get it. Like I, I lived in, I've only lived in New York for two years now, but I, I lived in Connecticut, which is just a state away. Yeah. Um, my whole life, New York has always been like a, not even a two hour train ride away. And, you know, going to like any type of audition, whether it was for theater or for, for TV or commercial or some print job or something, every no just felt like another nail in the coffin. You're like, why am I doing this? Clearly nobody wants me. Nobody wants anything to do with me. And then yeah. you get the yes. And it's almost like the universe or God or whoever you believe in is being like, Hey, mm-hmm. stop it. Knock it yeah. off. <laughs> okay. Here's for one. sure. I'll throw you a bone. <laughs> See it. You know, like it's just, <laughs> it's just, it's definitely so, it, it, it's so like eye opening, and it's so like not comforting, I guess like comforting to have that in common with other actors. Like, Oh, we're all going yes. through this. Like I'm not alone in the struggle. It's not like everyone's thriving and I'm over here barely surviving, you know? Exactly. I mean, Going back to that, especially now with social media and and Mm. all these platforms, people can make everything feel or look so like, I'm out here just killing it. I'm out here just doing it. Everything's great. I'm blessed, which a lot of people are and and good for you. Um, But like a lot of times it's not exactly that way. Um, So it is nice when you see someone being honest and being like, you know what? Yeah, I was busy last month, but this month I'm not doing anything or it's been a while since I booked a job. It's getting hard out here. I'm struggling. I'm 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 praying to whomever for a job. Um, I'm talking to myself like, you know, like it's nice when you hear someone being honest about things because that's the reality of things for a lot of entertainers or, or, or creative people like you have ups, but you have a lot of downs. And when you're down there, you feel like you're the only one and you're all alone. And it's not for you. It's not working out for you personally, but in reality, you're not alone. There's a lot of people who are going through the same struggles as you are. Um, They just happen to maybe be really good at pretending that things are okay. 
Um, and making everything look pretty on social media. I mean, social media looks beautiful and it's a fantasy for everyone. I mean, for myself as well, I use my social media as a sense of my own little fantasy where I get to be creative in a sense of, you know, like everything looks good. I'm fine. Like everything's great, but it's not really like that most of the time or a lot of the times. Yeah. I just have like, you want to know what I'm really doing? Go look at my story. You'll see see what I cooked. You'll see the coffee shop I went to the thousandth time. You'll see all of the boring shit. This is the, my, my grid is the highlight reel. It's the, (laughs) that's the reality. That's the truth. That's the documentary you watch and you're like, oh shit, I see you're going through it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was. (laughs) It's also very funny. Like whenever someone is like, I feel like everyone's around me is booking and they're always like, they're always like killing it. And I'm like, go look at their IMDb page. Are they really killing it? Yeah. Yeah. Most of us haven't been killing it because COVID like exactly i booked no, it's, a job this year and it's like well because of covid and yeah. scripts are different less co-stars they're changing how they shoot shows because everything's different to. yeah like, everything's different and before everything had you know shut down or happened you may have had a lot of auditions come your way but then afterwards everything kind of just like changed and now you may not be getting as many auditions and you think it's your fault or you've done something or you're blaming yourself but in reality it's something you have zero control over which is pretty much the entire industry or or your entire career you don't really have a lot of control over like a lot of things beyond the audition um after that it's just like let it go and see what happens because you'll drive yourself nuts thinking you can do something to make the outcome different when there was nothing you could do. We talk about this on the show a lot with um, the, the job doesn't always go to the best actor or necessarily the right choice. They're just the best fit, which sometimes we're yeah. not like also let's be realistic with ourselves. We know when we're a good fit. We know when we're not a good fit. <laughs> I mean, most of the time when you read the script, you're like, Oh, wait a minute. Um, this is not <laughs> me. Uh, physically does not look or sound anything like me. Um, but that is not that important. It could always change as well. Like you can always change someone's mind, but sometimes you know exactly what they're looking for. And Mm -hmm. you know that no matter how good you do, it's just not going to be for you. Um, it's, this one's just not meant for you. Um, but then a lot of times you do read something, you're like, wait a minute, this is literally like me, like this Mm -hmm. is me in on paper and this is mine and I'm going to book it. Um, then you have a lot of a, a way better chance of booking that job just because you already are connected to that, that yeah. thing. What, what do you say is a big misconception that um, either you see still going on in the industry or that you saw in the industry and realized it was like completely untrue? Um, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions still in, in the industry, but a lot of things have improved and a lot of things are moving forward, uh, which is really a really nice thing. But one of my things being uh, Latino, I still see a lot of uh, stereotypes kind of situation going around, especially with Latinos, where um, I, when I get an audition constantly, it's probably some, most of the time like the same kind of like character, uh, kind of the same backstory. They are either 
struggling some kind of way with, if it's not financially, it's like with some kind of substance or if it's not them, it's their surroundings. Um, or your mom or your parent is uh, a housekeeper who is struggling, you know, like, which is a lot of the time, the reality of the situation. Um, but when it comes to like television or movie, it's, it's a, it's a fantasy world. You can write, you can rewrite it. You can make a difference. Uh, and I feel like a lot of times they still stick to that stereotype or that situation where the mother is a housekeeper or the father is part of the cartel or there's some kind of substance abuse going on around you or, or, or you're trying to figure out a way to get out of the hood or, you know, like, which is the reality a lot of times, but I feel like you can make a big difference in someone's, in someone's actual reality or a, a watcher, like by making it, by switching the story, you know, like giving inspiration, like not everyone's reality is that way. Or I did have a great upbringing when I was a child, like being Latino, like, you know, some people who are Latino do have great upbringings, are very educated, like, and I feel like television and film still kind of stuck in that place where you're uneducated or you're a housekeeper when the housekeeper can be a superhero as well, like, or they can be the president or they can own an empire. Like, yes, I'm an immigrant and I came here and I created this empire of things and now I'm extremely successful. My children are educated. Like we have a good life. Uh, There's no drugs or abuse or jail or, you know, that kind of situation. And I feel like the industry still has a lot of work to do with that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, for sure. If I ever do like, you know, if you get like co-stars and things like that, those types of level of roles, a lot of times it's like nondescript. It could be mm-hmm. any ethnicity, but the few that I do get that are Latino, it's usually they're immigrants or they're the child of immigrants or whatever. Like, mind you, some of the roles, the scripts are amazing. So I'm like, okay, yeah, for sure. a story that deserves to be told. Mm-hmm. Other times it's like, again, like another cartel story like i'm so happy that they stopped doing shows like narcos i'm like okay we did it that's fine it's that was someone's like true story and then that was it but like when i mean it's more common on spanish networks like when you see on every other show is about like the cartel and all of that Mm -hmm. i'm like guys like you guys are in control of this narrative why are you still making these shows that don't show us in a positive light and it's very frustrating because you know, we like to blame because it is them to blame sometimes, but we like to blame like the old white network executives who are like, mm-hmm. oh, whatever. But I'm like, but look at the Latino executives they are doing yeah. the same thing. Like they're yeah. not being the change that they want to see in the world. And that's very frustrating. But it's like, I don't think most Latin, Latin American actors want to do like a novella. I don't think it's anyone's like aspiration. You know, it's like, no, no one grows up today. It's like, I want to be on General Hospital. It's like, eh, yeah, <laughs> you do it. Great. That's I- amazing. But like a goal (laughs) i feel like it is very easy for for someone to write those kind of stories Mm -hmm. um and like you said there is some of these projects that come your way and they're incredibly written they're beautiful and you're like this story is very important and it does need to be shared and i'm glad that they're doing this but that doesn't have to be every single story you know like every story especially when you you are going for a guest star or a co-star a smaller part 
it's always pretty much like the same breakdown, loud mouth from the hood or, you know, that kind of energy. And you're like, I get it, but that's not every single person. Like, why couldn't this character be this character? Like, why does this have to be a Latino? Um, And a lot of times when they have that nondescript, like anyone can be any, like you can, this can be any kind of ethnicity, any race. Um, And it's pretty much the same kind of breakdown, that same kind of like character. And then the top one is, uh, you know, white male. And it's a very descriptive, like it's very, it's educated, smart, good looking, tall and handsome. Um, they get a whole paragraph. While we it's get a white male. Words. Right. Yeah, exactly. There is no description to like what this person looks like. It's just like uh, loud mouth from the hood, likes this, likes that, charming. Mm. Um, and you're like, oh, suave. Get it. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. All right. I see. But yeah, I think the industry definitely has a long way to go with that. Um, because it, it can be a very positive thing for someone or a young Latino uh, to see that kind of story. Um, I mean, like for myself, when I was a child, I wish I saw more of those kind of stories. Even with telenovelas, like I grew up watching telenovelas with my mom. And a lot of the times it was a kind of the same drama. Um, and she loves them. And I did too. But I do wish that I would have seen something more uh, inspiring, something more motivating. Um, and not so on the nose of like what a Latino is. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it's certainly not helping anyone else's perception of us when all of the shows are like the street gang, the drug dealer, the criminals, the, you know, the X, Y, and Z it's like, there are successful Latinos in the world guys. Can we like yeah. do a political show with a Latino at the forefront or like, I agree 100%. I actually you know. was just having lunch a couple of days ago. Um, and I was sitting at this table really close to this other table with three young ladies and I'm nosy. So of course I was hearing the, the conversation, um, but they were also loud. So they wanted me to hear. Right, the conversation. Exactly. But, uh, <laughs> so, but I was listening to their conversation and one of the topics was uh, against servers. And one of them was like, I don't understand people are so rude to servers. Like they, they're out here working and they're, they're trying to make some money. Like I feel bad when they're, they're, Uh, mean to servers like you shouldn't be mean to them and then one of them goes yeah you know who I really feel bad for it's the Mexicans um I feel bad for the Mexicans because every time I go to like a small little store or like in that certain neighborhoods people are so rude to them and they're just working so hard and I feel really bad for them every time I see one of them they always look sad or like Mm -hmm. um really trying their hardest to do a good job and people are just rude and look at them meanly so I feel really bad for them and the other one chimes in and she's like yeah like I walked into my house uh one day and my housekeeper was still cleaning and she looked at me and immediately apologized and I was like no it's okay she goes oh no no it's I'm almost done and she was like no it's okay you can continue to do your job and she's like it's just I just feel really bad for the Mexicans and in my mind I was like you probably mean well with this conversation, right? but the way that you talk about a certain person or, or a race um, is really belittling. And mm. they're not, first of all, they're not all Mexicans. Let's just say that. There's right. different kind of Latinos. Um, 
you know, there's Mexicans, Salvadorians, Dominican, like, you know, there's Latinos, mm -hmm. they're all different. Um, but everyone thinks uh, Mexican, you know, it's, oh, you're Mexican. It's the first one that goes in the head, yeah. You know, you, yeah, you, you run the store at the corner, you're Mexican. Oh, you're a housekeeper, you're Mexican. Or like, you're struggling, you're Mexican. Mm -hmm. Like, so hearing that conversation, I was like, wow, we have come a long way, but we still have a very long way to go, um, especially with educating people that mm -hmm. just because you're Latino does not mean you're Mexican. And two, just because you're Mexican doesn't mean you're just a housekeeper or you should feel bad for them. Um, a lot of them do the job that they do because they enjoy it. And they're also making money and a living and they're doing a great job at surviving and living their American dream. So they're okay. So there's no need for pity or feeling bad for a, a person just because they seem like they were struggling a little bit. Right. Yeah. Oh, God, I completely agree. It's, it's, you know, it's like we've come a long way, but at the same time, not as far as we would have liked at the rate that we would have liked. There's yeah. a lot of work to be done. Um, Fortunately, it cannot happen overnight, but you know, definitely. No, it takes within our lifetime. We'll get, <laughs> we'll see all that. <laughs> we'll see all the changes we want to do while we can still act in those roles. <laughs> I, I believe that we will. I, yeah. I'm going to be optimistic and positive, and I'm going to say it's going to change. It's going to be good, and we're going to be fine. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So I want to talk about a couple of the projects that you've worked on um, quite a bit. You've been busy. Um, but one of them was, uh, right, exactly. <laughs> uh, but one of them being um, Ratchet on Netflix with mm. Sarah Paulson. It was a Ryan Murphy show. Um, I feel like we assume anything Sarah Paulson's in. Like, oh, is that a Ryan Murphy show? Um, Hands down. And most of the time, news. it's going to be a yes. Right. <laughs> um, and you'd mentioned that you worked on three episodes but only two ended up making it to like the mm -hmm. final cut which of course is yeah. always something that we kind of dread especially with a co-star like oh god they're gonna cut my scene with my luck for sure but um but yeah what was your experience working on on that show it was such a very ryan yeah. murphy show it was great <laughs> very very i mean i was extremely excited i mean i've been in for ryan murphy a couple of times and this was my first time booking the, the job so for me it was really exciting because I think Ryan Murphy is a genius when it comes to writing. I love Ryan Murphy's shows. Um, and usually I don't like anything gory or bloody, which is weird because Ryan Murphy is mostly that. Mm. Um, but I can watch his shows just because he's so inclusive when it comes to his writing and the stories. And there's always, um, there's always somebody that's different. Um, there's always a gay character or there's always a very flamboyant character. or There's always a, you know, someone who's transgender or, or someone who's black or Latino or Asian, there's always something and someone telling a story. And I like the story that they tell most of the time. Um, but it was a dream booking the job because I've always wanted to work on a Ryan Murphy show, like mm. always. And I was super excited. And then I found out that it was uh, for Ratchet that Sarah Paulson was in it, of course. And then I found out who I was working next to. And I was like, 
shocked and super excited because it was Sharon Stone. And I was like, holy crap. Like I love Sharon Stone. Like she's an icon. She's a legend. Like she is everything. And then I also got to work with Brandon Flynn and I was working with both of them and I was super excited. And the process was incredibly exciting and kind of scary just because it's a bigger production. You know, it's a Ryan Murphy show. It's yeah. on Netflix and you're working next to Sharon Stone, who can be a little intimidating when you actually meet her just because she has this presence yeah. of like, I've been doing this for a very long time and I I want respect and I want my, my time, my area, my space. Right. And when she walks into a room, you definitely give her her space. Like people literally move out of the way, which I was like, yes, get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. And, but she was so kind, so sweet, mm-hmm. so helpful. And she took the time to like literally grab me by the shoulders. And she was like, this is your moment. And as an actor, you want to get that close up. So take it in, take your time and enjoy the moment. Mm. She said, get your close up. And I was like, okay, I really <laughs> like you. I love you actually. Yes, Miss Stone, um, I'll get my close up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, we're doing, right. we're going to get that close up. Um, and she was so much fun to work with. She was patient and the scene required a lot of choreography and like actual physical um, movements and connection. So it was a little scary because yeah, you had, yeah, you have people in your <laughs> ear saying like, don't actually hurt her, but right. apply some pressure, but don't hurt her. And I'm like, oh, okay, uh, what do I do? Um, and then you have Sharon Stone who literally looks and she's like, I want you to give it to me. Like, <laughs> do it. If you're going to hurt me, hurt me. And I was like, whoa, okay. Well, they just told me not to hurt you, but you're asking for it. Um, <laughs> so it was a lot of fun because she, she was just so open to like just mm-hmm. enjoying the process. And someone like herself with her resume, she was still like enjoying it. You know, like it wasn't just another job. It was like a job and she was a character and she was loving the moment and enjoying everyone she was working with and so happy to share her moments. Because it was her death scene that we were shooting in this this shot. And that's an important scene for an actor. You're about to die. Like Mm -hmm. you want to make it the moments. And she said, you know, this is your moment but it's also my death scene so let's make it good Mm. and if we work together we will both get a beautiful moment out of it and I was like I love you for (laughs) for for sharing that moment you know it could it could easily just be yours you're the lead actress like you're Sharon Stone like but she was willing to share it and 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 make it everyone's moments and I really appreciated that because for one, I wasn't as nervous anymore. Uh, the nerves went away. And also you got, um, someone gave you uh, the right to like enjoy it or do it. Yeah. Uh, don't be scared. And, you know, we did the whole thing. We shot it and she literally like 
they call cut and the director came running and she was like, that was the scene. That was it. That was the shot. We loved it. It was perfect. Oh my God. I loved it. And she came in um, and Sharon's like, you gave it to me. She goes, I asked for it. You gave it to me and I love it. Thank you. And I was like, Oh, oh. thank God I did a good job. <laughs> That's so sweet. Yeah. She was that. so sweet. She was extremely sweet. So was Brandon Flynn. I mean, he was very kind and, and, he's also worked quite a bit and he was very open to have a conversation and very open to just like getting to know one another and be present with me as well. So that was really cool. And unfortunately one of the scenes that was cut was actually um, a a sex scene between me and Brandon. Mm -hmm. And that was my first sex scene actually to shoot ever. So that was a little nerve wracking. Um, and then also it was like a more of a, a dirtier scene, you know, Ryan Murphy likes to get dirty with his uh, sex scenes. And I was, I was living for it. I wanted that moment. I was like, I'm so excited. And unfortunately it did get cut. Um, and, but it was with Brandon Flynn and he made it so comfortable and so easy to work with. And every single time they would have called Kyle, he was like, are you okay? Are you good? Um, I was like, no, I'm, I'm fine. Are you okay? He's like, oh no, I'm good. I was like, perfect. So he was very sweet and very kind. And the entire experience on Ratchet was an incredible experience. That's really, that's really sweet that he also was kind of like, you know, making sure you're okay and looking after you just because with a lot of, with a lot of the movements in the last couple of years with, um, with me too, especially and, and with mm-hmm. onset safety during intimate scenes and, you know, they've added intimacy coordinators and all of that to sets. Um, unfortunately, a lot of times it, it, it is not seen the same when it's in reverse or when it's um, to male identifying actors or yeah, it's like, you know, it's, it's just very refreshing to hear that like everyone is sort of still making sure everyone's okay, whether it's like, yeah two gay characters or two you know mm-hmm. regardless of who it is and it's that's that's very sweet to hear and and just to hear that Sharon Stone is such like a sort of very generous collaborative actor that that's so awesome nice. to hear because she has every right to be like a stone cold diva and she told oh my god and it's amazing <laughs> for sure and I mean I I wasn't surprised but I've learned to expect nothing from anyone. I mean, right. don't expect someone to be kind just because you're a fan of theirs um, because they may not be, you know, everyone's has bad days or everyone is different um, when they're not in front of a camera, mm. things can change. So I was just, I don't expect anything when I meet anyone, but you meet her and you're just like kind of taken aback Cause you're like, I, I don't know what I was expecting, but you being so kind and just open and willing to share everything is shocking. Mm. <laughs> like you're Sharon Stone, like, holy shit. Yeah. If, if anyone could be a diva, I guess you could be a diva if you wanted it, right. if you wanted to. Um, but she wasn't. Um, but at the same time, she was very much um, about her job and professional and don't yeah. mess with her time. Cause it's, it's it's money you know like yeah. we're here to work and i appreciated that because she was very professional at the same time and people respected her time mm. and to see that i was like that's incredible for one to see a, a woman in the industry get so much respect um for her time and her value i was like i appreciate and she knows her value and i was like i i look up to you 
in that aspect because you know your worth, you know who you are, and you know that your time is valuable. So let's get it right. Um, otherwise, I'm walking the hell out of the set. And I was like, I appreciate this. I like it. I'm here for this. Like, I love it. Yeah, I'm learning so much from you because you're sweet, you're kind, but you're also a boss and you're not afraid to be a boss. Um, And I feel like that can probably be a scary thing to do as a woman because a lot of things can be twisted uh, or misunderstood or you're a bitch. Um, Like, so. I respected that she wasn't afraid of that. And uh, I learned. So I walked out of that set a different person. <laughs> I was like, I'm a boss, bitch. Uh, sorry. Can we curse? Can absolutely. We curse? Absolutely. Oh, okay, good. Because I have a terrible mouth. I was, Everyone I was kinda... always comes to that moment in the interview. They're like, wait, am I allowed to curse? I'm like, yeah. They're like, yeah. fuck yeah. You know. <laughs> good, 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 good. Good to know because I, I curse a lot. Um, I'm trying not to curse. But I walked out a different person. I mm. felt like a bad bitch. I was like, this is it. I'm not going to be afraid to be, um, to expect to be respected even as yeah. a, a co-star or a guest star, because you, as an actor, I feel like when you book a co-star, you can easily go onto a set feeling like immediately kind of apologizing that mm. you're there or, um, not feeling as important. So you kind of like just sit in the background and you're like okay whenever you're ready for me call me and i'll I'll do my job um which shouldn't be that way you should enjoy the moment and feel just as important as you know anyone else that you're working with because you're there for a reason and you're part of the story and even if you have one word that one word is moving the story along so feel important yeah it's funny i was just because you know when you get co-stars it's like you're eager to get it because you're like it's a booking it's income mm-hmm. it's residuals it's like you know you're trying to think big picture and yeah. of course other people are like oh it's only like two lines it's only whatever and i'm like look i watched i was watching house of cards and there's a character who a reporter character who only said mr president and that was his line just yeah. him so it wasn't even like he was background and they like you know said ad lib something it's like he got like a thousand dollars for saying mr president on a show he yeah. had to work on house of cards he got the credit he got the residuals <laughs> Emmy winning show. You got yeah. the experience. Yeah. Like you got that experience and casting you... trusts you that you've worked with the director, these actors, the producers. Like it's like you have to think big picture. And I feel like a you lot do. of new actors think small. Like, yeah. Someone the with things no bookings that... will will um someone with no bookings will like the I don't want to do co-stars. I only want to do bigger mm-hmm. roles. It's like oh. I've heard that so many times mm-hmm. actually. Mm-hmm. Um I hear that a lot of times uh from other actors that they're uh, I'm, I'm, I'm in a different place now. I shouldn't go in for co-stars or, or I've done certain, certain things that I shouldn't do co-stars anymore. Or I, I don't want to do that anymore. And I'm like, I get it. I get it. I do. Um, but at the same time, it's a job yeah. and it's, uh, uh, um, you're moving, you know, it's trajectory. There's like, you, you know, to go. Yeah. yeah, it's, it's taking you somewhere. Like it's building your resume. Yeah. You're also building a relationship with these offices, which is for one, our, our job, like as an actor is that's our job mm-hmm. to build relationships. And they trust that you are going to come in and do a good job and you're going to book the job and you're going to represent them, you know, well on sets. So 
it, it moves you forward. And then all of a sudden that co-star becomes a guest star and that guest star becomes a lead role for these offices and they mm. trust you. So you're kind of missing opportunities if you think you're better than a co-star. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the same time, I do understand, you know, the mentality behind like a co-star. It's, yeah. you know, I want bigger, I want better, like, but you shouldn't, <laughs> you know, yeah, we do, we all do, but we start yeah. somewhere and sometimes it takes a little longer to get to that place. So you have to do as many co-stars as you possibly can. Um, also at the same time, it's a check. So I'll take it. Like right. it's money. Like I'm not, I don't care if it's one when word. Like, that's rent. Like that, you're good for that month. Like <laughs> I don't, you know, I don't care if it's um, coffee. You know, I'll say coffee 10 times if you want me to stay on set. Like, I'll do it. <laughs> Dude, I don't want to keep you on for, for too, too long. So we're going to go into our last segment called Now That We Know You. Uh, it's sort of like a grab bag round of questions. It's not rapid fire. So don't worry about doing okay. like quick answers. So <laughs> big breath out. Um, and I get to just choose random ones. Um, what is one thing people buy that you think is a total waste of money? People buy that it's a total waste of money. Um, I I don't know why I'm thinking about this too much because I probably buy this and it's a total waste of money. So I should know, but I don't know what it is. I'm trying to really think. I don't know. I'm going to say eye creams. Um, <laughs> I'm a beauty thing. I, I'm a sucker for anything beauty. Like if you bring something at the end of the cash register, would you like to buy this? Yeah, I would. It says anti-wrinkle, anti-aging, reverse. Like I'll buy it. It's mine. I'll do it. I'll put it on my face. But I feel like eye creams are a total waste of money. I don't think they work. I think it's <laughs> the same moisturizer you just paid $50 for right. in the little jar that says eye cream. And it's the same thing. So yeah. I don't think eye creams work, but at the same time I use eye cream. So I don't know. <laughs> but you're not paying like $300 for a little jar, you know? Oh you no, know. hell no. Right. Hell no. <laughs> uh, if you could join the cast of any TV series, which would you choose? Damn it. You know, unfortunately I'm thinking only reality TV because I'm a reality <laughs> TV junkie. I love reality TV and I don't know why I'm thinking the Real Housewives of any franchise right now, <laughs> but that's really what I'm thinking right now. So I'm thinking the Real Housewives of any franchise, probably Beverly Hills or Potomac. I'm not sure if you're familiar, but I've, I'm the worst queer person ever. I haven't watched any of them. I did a promo for the Real Housewives of Potomac, so I've met them. You uh, what? Yeah, it was ridiculous. It was it was a promo for Godzilla. Godzilla king of monsters because I, they it was a second godzilla movie but just the way it all works so obviously the show's on bravo mm -hmm. bravo is owned by nbc universal oh, and, okay and the godzilla movies are universal movies so it's all this oh. crisscross promotion this ridiculousness uh if you weren't working in the arts what would you be doing i would uh probably be a chef i love cooking um yeah nice when i was a kid i used to always cook and but i didn't want to just be any kind of chef i wanted to be like a restaurant owner kind of chef mm. and i wanted to be like on tv cooking kind of chef um and i would actually have my younger brother record me while i was cooking or pretend to record me yeah. uh, while I was cooking and I would be like chopping up onions and, and saying, we're going to saute them till we caramelize. Right. And I wanted to be a chef for a really long time. And then um, 
I quickly realized that if you're not like the owner or some kind of glamorous chef, it's not an easy job. It's a really mm-hmm. difficult job. Uh, and lastly, in 10 words or less, what advice would you give to a young actor? 10 words or less. You're making this really challenging. Be yourself. Um, be yourself. I know that's cheesy um, and you've probably heard it many times. And I know I've heard it when I was uh, first starting off. People would always be like, just be yourself and you'll see things differently or people will actually see you as who you are. One of my acting teachers, she told me this one thing. Let's see if I say it correctly because I, I can mess up a lot of things. <laughs> um, she said, don't be careless, but care less mm. um, as an actor. Because in that, for some reason, really hit me. I was like, oh, wow. Don't be careless, but care less. Mm. Meaning just don't, don't try too hard because most of the time when you don't really try or you're just there and you're just in that moment, you book the job or you get a callback or you get the producer sessions or you just get really good feedback because you just were you and you just were there and you were just present and not really trying to give them something you thought that they wanted when in reality they were just looking for whatever you were bringing in and you just cared a little less. And a lot of things can change if you just care a little less. But don't be careless or reckless because then you're just dumb. Like, do your job, you know? But that would be an advice. That would be some good advice as well. But at the same time, I'm not a really good person to give advice because I'm not really good at words. So (laughs) a lot of things come out different. Jermaine, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, Where can folks find you on Instagram if they want to give you a follow? Uh, They can find me at Jermaine Arroyo uh, on Instagram. So, yeah. Awesome. And you can all follow us on Instagram, Actors with Issues. Uh, you can give me a follow at Juaniala Official. A big thank you to our sponsor, Anchor, for supporting the show. Head on over to anchor.fm to get started on your very own podcast, 100% free. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to the podcast, leave a rating and review wherever you're listening, and catch new episodes every Friday on all podcasting platforms. I'm Juaniala. That's Jeremy Arroyo. This is Actors with Issues, and we'll see you next week.